Welcome to the Converge 21 podcast preview series. What is Converge 21? Converge is a community of forward-looking ethics and compliance practitioners and leaders, and Converge 21 is where we gather and connect. You're invited to groundbreaking keynotes, fireside chats with CECOs from the world's most impactful companies, and practical workshops that will empower you to move the needle within your organization. The goal of Converge 21 is to explore emerging trends, topics, and tools that enable you to manage better ethics and compliance and drive value and impact to your overall company strategy. You will leave this conference with new resources, best practices, and actionable ideas that can put you and your compliance practice at the next level. Most importantly will be the engagement. You'll have the opportunity to engage virtually with compliance practitioners literally across the globe. This is one of the top compliance events annually and Converge 20 was a great success. I hope you will join me in attending Converge 21. We'll link to the registration and information in the show notes to this podcast. In this episode, I visit with Michael Randrup and we discuss his presentation at Converge 21, the devil in the details about the EU whistleblower directive and what it means for companies and compliance professionals. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Michael Randrup. He's senior compliance specialist and attorney at Orsted. Michael, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thank you for taking time for this uh, interesting topic. So, Michael, I was wondering if you could tell our audience uh, what your current position and your role is uh, at the company. Yes, certainly. I am the uh, only lawyer in the internal audit function of uh, Ersta, who is a global provider of uh, onshore, offshore uh, wind. Uh, so we build wind farms around the world um, and have a goal of uh, reaching zero emission for the world. And at this stage, we're 95% emission free as a company. Now, uh, what I do in my function is that, that uh, apart from, from audits on uh, governance, risk, and compliance, and taking care of our own internal insurance company, I also manage the whistleblower hotline on a global basis. Michael, your presentation has perhaps the most interesting title of any of the presentations at Converge 21 as yet, and it is The Devil in the Details, EU Directive Requirements You May Not Know. I was wondering uh, if you could tell us uh, or give us a little preview of your remarks uh, at Converge 21. Yes, absolutely. One of the uh, new things out is the EU directive on whistleblower. Um, and even though we welcome the uh, new directive um, and also the entire change in, in the attitude towards whistleblowers, uh, as I wrote, the, the devil really is in the detail because what you cannot read in the directive is the interpretation laid out by the expert group in the commission. Um, and that uh, detail uh, is rather important for uh, larger companies with more than 250 employees. Um, because it's the attitude of the EU commission that each single uh, company, may that be a multinational company, uh, if you have a subsidiary 
with above 250 employees, that subsidiary needs to have its own independent whistleblower hotline, not linked to the uh, global setup that you have, uh, but an independent hotline. Um, so if you, as we have, have four different companies at our main location, um, you know, everyone in the company assumes that they're employed by Oster, but in fact, they may be employed by, you know, a different company uh, within the group, um, but we cannot have uh, one single whistleblower hotline. We need to have four. That's kind of a devil in the details. Michael, does that does that require individual training for each of those business units or subsidiaries in addition to the overall corporate training you might uh, provide for the hotline? Will that put an additional mm -hmm. obligation training obligation on you? It uh, requires that, that uh, we have people, uh, four different set of people to answer a hotline. So how does the uh, protections provided by the EU directive, or how do you see that playing out on a, on a global basis? So, for instance, uh, in the United States, uh, there's typically not a, an affirmative requirement that companies demonstrate there's no retaliation. How are you thinking through, if I could ask you to put your lawyer hat on, from a legal perspective, uh, putting some of these uh, EU-type obligations on jurisdictions yeah. that may not have them? Sure. Um, now it's, it's my belief, but I may be uh, incorrect, but I, I believe that this, this is EU legislation. It's, it's likely going to be individual from EU country to EU country um, because it, it's a directive that needs to be implemented. Um, so uh, uh, I would say that, that uh, those requirements are governing the EU countries and an EU country with, a, uh, with its subsidiaries in the US would perhaps not be subject to those rules and can follow American standards. So for any multinational company, meaning uh, with business units or subsidiaries across the world, is this going to put the whistleblower or reporting system more in a silo so that you perhaps sitting in the corporate office or a, a compliance officer sitting in the home office in one jurisdiction might not have visibility across these uh, individual <laughs> business units under the EU directive? Yes, that's uh, certainly our concern. Um, we don't see we don't see the uh, we don't see the greater picture in what the EU is uh, is uh, is requiring us to do in this because I certainly think that we are losing the uh, the global oversight um, and that's likely to be conflicting with the FCPA and the SEC guidelines on, on how you do uh, oversight on a global basis. Um, uh, so uh, you know it, it's going to create that interesting situation. Would you would you rather be non-compliant with the EU guidelines and, and uh, with the FCPA rules. Um, so that's an interesting question. Well, I hope it doesn't lead to the question of who are you more afraid of, the Department of Justice or an EU regulator, but you've also indicated that you and others are trying to um, publicize <laughs> and perhaps move towards some sort of uh, global uh, exemption or exception, which would allow a more global approach. Could, could you tell us a little bit about that? <coughs> yes, uh, certainly. 
We've had the good assistance uh, from the uh, Danish Ministry of Justice that, that uh, can certainly see that, that uh, this doesn't make sense. On the other hand, we do have uh, an obligation towards EU. We are an EU member, um, and this is a EU directive. Um, so uh, currently, we have received an exemption from the Ministry of Justice uh, um, on, uh, on that uh, restriction not to implement the global uh, hotline. And I, you know, I should say that that uh, the EU is responding back that if if the whistleblower agrees to it um, and gives his consent, you can certainly use a global uh, whistleblower hotline. Um, but we need to cater for the event that that uh, if if we have someone, um, say in Germany or in Poland, who decides that no, no, I want to uh, solely report to a local hotline, that we need to be ready and have a setup uh, that, that works in, in that uh, jurisdiction. And, you know, it also works for American companies working into, into Europe. Um, so the, the same goes for, for, for those companies. They will be subject to the EU uh, rules and guidelines since they're operating in an EU country with a subsidiary. Will the um, subsidiary hotline, can the subsidiary hotline be across multiple legal jurisdictions? So you mentioned uh, France, Germany, Poland, uh, you're in Switzerland. Uh, will there be a requirement for individual hotlines in those countries, or can there be a business unit or subsidiary hotline across multiple countries? No, not not across multiple uh, countries. It's not just it's not just a, a country issue. It's also a subsidiary issue. If you have as a as a group, if you have four subsidiaries in Germany uh, above 250 employees. Each of those subsidiaries will need to have their own independent whistleblower hotline. I know that uh, may sound uh, totally awkward, and it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, you and I are having this conversation, and we hope to have this conversation with other compliance professionals. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're having internal conversations within your organization on how to do with, do this. But let me uh, focus on the greater compliance community. Are you able to, are you having those conversations with your colleagues literally across Europe as uh, uh, about how to deal with the situation? Absolutely. Uh, and we're trying to activate everyone to raise their voice and saying that directive does not make sense. Um, but at this stage, we have been uh, trying to go to the expert group in the EU Commission and uh, putting forward our request. Uh, we've had the good support of a number of our German colleagues, uh, Swedish colleagues, Finnish colleagues, um, uh, Spanish colleagues, um, large companies, uh, Philips, uh, Siemens, Volkswagen, um, uh, and all of the major uh, multinational Danish companies. I realize we're a small country, uh, but um, uh, the industry associations, Business Europe, um, uh, the maritime organizations, and so on, they're all all on, on our side. Um, but the EU is rather stubborn in this, uh, so we need all the help and assistance that we can get on putting a pressure uh, on the local governments. But as I said, you can't read it out of the directive. You can only read it from the interpretation that the EU expert group is uh, putting upon this. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, what's going to happen is that, that a lot of EU countries are implementing the directive on the face of the directive, which doesn't have 
those limitations in it. And if that happens, then I have the word from the Ministry of Justice in Denmark that that uh, will certainly upkeep our uh, exemption. Um, maybe it's just because uh, the uh, Danish, the Swedish, and the Finnish uh, Ministry of Justice are really following the book um, and are being the good guys, um, or maybe the two good guys, uh, in, in implementing the directive uh, as instructed from Brussels. Um, hopefully, uh, some of the other countries are just closing their eyes and saying, no, 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 we'll take the directive on, this, on the face of what it looks like. Because you can't read it, as I said, in the directive. But we have it in print from the expert uh, group in the EU. Michael, I started this podcast by commenting on the title of your presentation, and I thought it was perhaps the most eye-catching after listening to you. Actually, I think it may be the most descriptive uh, description, uh, the devil in the details. Uh, uh, we unfortunately we're near the end of our time, but before we leave, I wanted to ask you, what do you hope to get out of Converge 21? I hope uh, to get uh, some international attention to um, uh, some unfortunate EU rules and, and a pressure from the international uh, compliance community that that uh, the directive needs to be changed to something operational. Not just, uh, not just. It, this is not a cost perspective. This is, uh, if I look on the protection for the individual whistleblower. I mean, if if you were to go to, uh, if, if you sit in a smaller subsidiary and are forced to go to that subsidiary instead of going to, you know, a corporate head office and have some lights on on the operation in a subsidiary, it's not the best protection that you are giving uh, to a whistleblower. Uh, so I hope that we can up. Uh, hold the uh, uh, the global oversight and the uh, better protection for the whistleblower. Also, simply because I, I don't think that, that uh, we can train uh, so many staffs around the world uh, to handle a whistleblower case, which may may not come, um, or that there's uh, hopefully hopefully uh, you know you see once every twice a year. Um, but from a uh, from a global uh, compliance uh, uh, setup, I mean, from a head office, uh, we have much better control of uh, what's happening and the tools that, that uh, we can, you know, uh, implement and assist the whistleblowers with. So that's what I'm hoping. That's the attention. Well, Michael, unfortunately, we now are at the end of our time, and uh, I am greatly looking forward to your presentation. I want to learn more about the devil in the details of the EU directive, but also hope to be able to engage other compliance professionals as you have with your colleagues. So I'm looking forward to hearing your presentation and engaging with you at Converge. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox again. I hope you will join me at Converge 21. We're gonna to link to the information and registration page in the show notes. It's gonna be a great conference, literally one of the best annually going forward.